0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW Void we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: It's crazy in some ways that people do dismiss the plight of incels because on the one hand, we're saturated with this culture that treats romance and love as like a pseudo-religion. On the other hand, we talk as if those people who fall outside of that framework, we're like, you yeah, know, what's their problem? What are they so upset about? It should be obvious what they're upset about.
1: Media, I'm Elman Gates, and this is Incel. Hello world. Got an episode in for you today, a bit later in the day, but on the right day, and that's not bad if I do say so myself. Especially considering the mountain of debilitating stress just a couple feet from me in any direction. Gonna keep this intro short today, because of the aforementioned clusterfuck. And also because the episode speaks for itself. I promised you black pills. Well, those are coming in a megadose, very shortly, with Doomer Man and Scorn Stoic. Today's kind of a mixed bag, an alloy, if you will. But you will all love it, and it's been a long time coming. I've been a fan of today's guest for years, and we're both going to be releasing this episode on our respective shows, so it's nice and long. Savvier business people would release one half on each feed to really cross-promote. But, yeah, you know, nice, now, without nice. further ado.
2: Um, so I'll introduce myself if you want. Sure. Um... My name is James Bloodworth. I'm a journalist and author from the United Kingdom. And I run, I also do a podcast called The Modern Dating Economy. I do it very sporadically. So I've not done an episode in about five months, but, um, everything is going to change from, <laughs> I'm telling myself everything is going to change from now on. And I will do regular episodes, but, um,
1: I say that every other week. I'm very
2: interested. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm inter- interested in the subject matter around incels and inceldom and, changes changes in kind of dating and romantic culture i suppose the arrival of dating apps Um, the opposite side of the spectrum with kind of um, like the kind of uh, obnoxious kind of obnoxious kind of sexual abundance that people on instagram portray themselves as having as the kind of uh, opposite of the kind of intel movement so these extremes i'm interested in in that these extremes spawned by kind of the modern dating economy and technology and the decline of monogamy and all this stuff. So I'm interested in these subcultures, basically. That's why I began listening to to the podcast about incels in the first place.
1: Well, the, on the podcast about incels is mine. I'm Nama Cates and I produce and host uh, incel, a crawlspace media podcast, which is about incels and, you know, lots of interviews with incels. Um It was a subject that I sort of just found interesting and saw that there was very little media about. So I started digging in and speaking to people individually and found them very unlike their portrayal. A lot of them are very insightful and, you know, they have a lot of thoughts about topics that you write about very eloquently and insightfully. And I find myself agreeing with them a lot. So I guess we kind of have a common interest and in, in some <laughs> common ideas there that would be fun to discuss. I mean, the effect of social media and dating apps and just technology in general on dating has completely changed the game. Um, and I think it's also changed the culture in the way that you kind of suggested, where people are representing their, like, pub. PR representatives for themselves on social media, and there's a lot of kind of excess and, and sexuality and uh, narcissism, and so those extremes make, like you said, the the opposite. I think feel even even worse.
2: Yeah, I think the I think one thing, one way that dating apps and, and when I say dating apps, I also mean Instagram. I tend to yes. think of that in some ways as a dating app because I think it feeds into that culture so much. Um, and it's like an offshoot of that. And on the dating app, people link to their Instagram profiles a lot of the time. Um, I, I, what I found really interesting was how so much of uh, what constitutes value and status today is made up of presentation. Um, so if, I mean, if we go back even just like 50, 60 years to the post-war era in the West uh, where there was a, a lot of, in the working class anyway. So in, in kind of uh, the background of say, say my family, there's, There was more like pride in being a productive kind of member of society. There was pride in work and pride in like you got dignity and your identity was often attached to your work and you got status from that. Um, and besides that, you know, there were kind of monogamous marriages and monogamy was kind of the norm and you married locally as well. Whereas what I think's happened in recent years is, uh, high, like high status for, for want of a better term is kind of, communicated more through presentation than what you may maybe are actually doing so if you know how to present yourself on through a screen through social media or through a dating app if you happen to be you know a good good you happen to be attractive physically attractive if you happen to know how to present certain kind of markers of, of status then you kind of can be very you know polygynous basically um there's this kind of um like the dan Bilzerian effect almost um, and, and, and it's kind of at the opposite end of that, you've got lots of people who have a hard time for whatever reason presenting themselves online through an app based on what they look like. Um, but also who have a hard time in the real world, maybe to approach someone and ask someone out based on, you know, a problem, an issue with social skills, which is something I had when I was younger. Um, but it's, it, it's become a lot more extreme. I think, uh, even in the, like the last 10 years, I think the, there's like a polarization between, like the haves and have-nots in the in the kind of dating market, especially on the male side. But I think there is, in some ways, on the female side as well. But I think it's, I just think you there's there's more women who just aren't satisfied with it, with the situation in terms of dating apps and um, you know going after chads or whatever. But I think on the on the flip side, there's a lot more men who who are literally just despairing. Um, uh, uh, they just see no. It, the whole thing makes just no sense into so, like navigating all of all of it, whether like how do you get matches on apps if you're not stereotypically attractive? Um, how do you navigate just the modern dating market when those kind of norms of the past have just like evaporated very quickly?
1: It's become a lot more shallow too. Mm-hmm. The presentation and uh, being traditionally physically attractive, I think that that gets magnified because these dating apps not only are presenting people with a, a 2D curated image of themselves, um, but they also have, a lot of them have settings where, you know, people can just completely dismiss and not even be shown. People that are under a certain height, for instance, or just all kinds of ways to sort of discriminate based on looks where some of these men don't even get a chance. Incels are very interested in and sort of invested in the idea of Tinder and the statistics that come from it. You've mentioned the Preto distribution rule, the 80-20 rule. So they talk about that a lot and I think it really does apply. But in real life, as you've noted in your article about Tinder, there are factors like charisma and body language and chemistry and all kinds of other things that really they don't come across online. Um, so I think the fact that so many people are using these apps leads incels, for instance, to believe that personality is a meme, as they say, and that those things are just magical thinking and don't matter. And if everybody's using dating apps, I guess they don't in a way. So, you know, women do um, apparently have all of these options, and that's the way it it looks to men. Um, And a lot of them assume that they're much happier this way. And so we're in a gynocentric society. There are aspects of our society that I think would sort of lead people to believe that. I don't think it's completely um, invalid, but I do think that the effects on women are are different. I think, you know, women getting so much sort of attention for their sexuality and feeling like they have all these options, you know, it might give a a buzz for a time. It does not lead to satisfying relationships or happiness over the long term. And while women can get matches to sort of, you know, have sex with, they don't necessarily get matches from anyone that is planning on taking them seriously or having a relationship with them.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the um, I think the, dif- the the different experiences of men and women when it comes to dating apps. I think there's a profound lack of understanding from each from each side in some respects of the experiences of the other side. So, um, on the one hand, I just think in general in you know in the in the mainstream media anyway, there's um, there's, there's, there's not even a willingness to really understand the plight of the incels. So there's, there's mockery, first of all. No, I mean, there's, there's mockery on the one hand. So incels become the new way of calling someone a virgin, like in the playground kind of style of an insult. Um, and I just think there's... You have an older generation of people off, very often who grew up in a completely different setting where they were, you know, before, te- before the advent of, of this new technology um where they were kind of paired off with someone often very quite young and they just have no comprehension of what it's like to uh to seek a partner in the in the kind of world of dating app so they they can't really comprehend it so they can't relate it's unrelatable um and I think you also have so like you know young men often like young white men are kind of demon not demonized I, I wouldn't say demonized necessarily but there isn't a lot of sympathy for their plight yeah. essentially. um and I've noticed that in terms of class, so the the plight of kind of young working class people and, and in particular men is often kind of overlooked when it comes to you know liberal progressive politics anyway. There's um this there's this sense that kind of um they are kind of undeserving of, of sympathy because they've had all these opportunities and growing up in the West, etc. Um and class isn't really factored into it. But I also think, yeah, when it comes to incel in Selim, it's kind of unfashionable, unfashionable to sympathize with angry young men. Um, and we think of these groups in terms of this hierarchy of oppressed where there are no nuances within those, uh, categories. So, you know, women are, are universally oppressed by men and, and, and so on and so forth. And I think that makes it, and I, and I think, you know, se- you know, male sexual violence against women is one of the biggest, you know, biggest, uh, crises in the world in some ways it's it's, it's the mo- one of the most universal problems in in every society but that's kind of you can you can say that on the one hand but then that doesn't mean that within within men as kind of a, a group there aren't some underdogs within that group you know who who experience oppression in a different way if that mm-hmm. makes sense or right yeah or who experience rejection yeah. in a society that, that values especially for men that values um you know, being a, today it would be hookups, being able to hook up, being able to get a girlfriend, being able to marry. It's kind of a a, a a status symbol for men in a way. And what apps have done, in my view, is they've uh they've kind of revealed to people their place in the in the kind of sexual hierarchy in a way that sometimes it's better just not to know. Yeah. Um, for one thing, so like ignorance is bliss. I remember like growing up. Um, Yeah. And we hear this thing from incels a lot, you know, it's very difficult for men in particular in their early twenties, late teens and early twenties. And it was exactly the same when I was growing up for me. Um, and had apps been around, it would have been, I feel like it would have been devastating in, you know, in some ways because when I went, you know, this long period of my late teens and early twenties, like years of just like having no girlfriends, like five years, I think it was without a girlfriend. Um, it was it was like because uh, I was super shy. I was extremely shy and had like ver- like social anxiety bad social anxiety and etc and if I had dating apps well, it would have been dest- destructive because at least without them I could kid myself that oh you know if I actually wanted to I could I could get a girlfriend you know oh if I actually wanted to I could go talk go ask that girl out like, it's just I could kid myself you know retain my ego that oh it was just because I didn't really want to whereas with dating apps it's the barrier to entry is really low, so anyone can just create an account. But then the volume of rejection is much higher, so you can't really hide from where you stand in the pecking order.
1: I think it, it is really destructive. I think even for some of the people that seem to do well with it, and I, I guess I'm talking about women more so, it does give like a false sense of status that is then sort of mm-hmm. shattered um, when they try to move on and have meaningful relationships. There is no sympathy for incels. Maybe there's starting to be a tiny bit of a tide change, but that's probably just my sort of sample bias from having the podcast and having a network of people that listen to it and appreciate it. Uh, I don't know if that actually has any effects or bearing on sort of the attitudes of, of society, of broader society. It is very unfashionable to have any sympathy for for men, especially white men. You know, we have this epistemic privilege uh, being sort of touted and, and taught everywhere. The more sort of oppressed you are, the higher your righteousness or, or status or, or goodness is. And men are believed to be at the bottom of this, which has pretty severe political ramifications, really. Um you know, working class white men who are considered to be privileged, but in the West are often struggling just as much as other other groups, in my opinion, unfashionable to say so. But if they're also um, struggling with dating, and all the things that are sort of considered in life, the most important things, then they really feel hopeless. We live in a world where empathy and sympathy are the values sort of most championed and every group that is disadvantaged in some way gets a movement. People will even sort of display their their virtue by expressing sympathy for these groups. But incels are just these demons (laughs) and the reaction to them that I've experienced, especially early on with the, the podcast, I guess I've sort of become numb to it at this point. It's beyond just finding them distasteful or fearing them if they've read sort of apocryphal accounts of what they do, the more vehement rhetoric or the articles in mainstream media that portray them as simply terrorists and mass killers. But the reaction, I think, is beyond that. And it's beyond... Lack of sympathy. I found people had like a visceral reaction that, to me, feels like um, almost like they're afraid of being grouped in with them by association and considered undesirable. Like there's a contagion about it. It's very strange.
2: Yeah, I think I think some some um, something I've noticed because I'm I'm am a leftist and like, still um, in terms of you know if I was in the U.S. I'd be a Bernie supporter. Um, I'm. From like a very modest, like working class family, and um, and, and yeah, like I'm always interested. I'm interested in class politics and issues of class and underdog communities, and um, uh, yeah, that, that's that's still what my, my, my my politics is. But I find with um, many people in the you know, I wouldn't call myself a progressive actually anymore. Um, I'm I'm just more of a so- old school. Like yeah, I'm more kind of an old school social democrat. Really, um, but I, but I think a lot of people in the progressive space who are kind of um, who 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 are, uh, should be close to me in many ways politically, they they don't have any interest in um, sexual inequalities or inequalities produced by the kind of um, contemporary sexual marketplace, for want of a better term. They
1: almost seem to think it's like a silly issue.
2: Yeah, and I and also think there's, I also think there's a reluctance to. Um, Acknowledge things like hypergamy, for example, things like the kind of, the kind of sexual power struggle between men and women that there are, you know, competing sexual, sexual strategies and whatnot. And I think there's a, I think there's a profound reluctance in general to kind of demystify romance and love and break it down into these, uh, very inegalitarian, uh, unfair, narratives which is what it really is in many ways like if you're born a certain way you'll do much much better on the dating market if you're a man or a woman this applies if you if you're born with a certain with certain looks with certain facial features a certain height um you're going to do you're going to have a much better time of it typically than someone who isn't and that's profoundly unfair and we don't like to talk about that because there's not much you can in some ways there's not that much you can do about some of it um there's always going to be a degree of inequality but it's also there's this kind of on the left, anyway, there's this prevailing kind of blank slate ideology where we have to pretend that all of these, uh, sexual preferences are se- uh, you know, apart from being gay and straight for some reason, which we do acknowledge is uh-huh. you're born that way and not made, you're not, you know, you, know, you, don't, gr- you don't, you don't, know, culture doesn't make you gay or straight. We, we, we acknowledge on the one hand that you're born that way, but we seem to pretend that all other kind of, male and female sexual preferences are somehow you know socialized or conditioned by society and right um, and obviously they're not um, I mean to to some extent they are but obviously there are uh, the a large extent of that's biological um, and so if you take if you pull the short draw the short straw in a biological sense is you have a much much harder time of it on the dating market which is a huge you know is a huge part of all of our lives in terms of who your partner is who you're gonna have a family with who you how you experience you know ha- you know what what the feedback loop is as you walk, walk through society in terms of positive emotions that are fed back to you or negative emotions that 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 intrinsically kind of molds your identity especially growing up as a teenager or early 20 something man or woman if you're getting so on the one hand you have women i think becoming less trustful because they're getting all this validation seemingly they're getting all this validation online on things like instagram tinder and stuff but it's a very kind of um Uh, meretricious and ephemeral uh, almost like sense of validation. So it's not really, you know, it's fake, isn't it? It's it's guys giving the validation to get laid and then just disappearing. Yes. Ghosting. Um, Whereas the men, it's the opposite. It's it's bombarded with, like caught in a negative feedback loop and this negative momentum, which is, you know, which is is brutal. It's absolutely brutal to the, your identity identity is being formed in a constant negative feedback loop, which is uh, very destructive.
1: I think that when people dismiss the concepts of the black pill, it's sort of delusional if they actually believe themselves. The idea that people don't judge based on appearance. When incels talk about their immutable traits, a height disadvantage, you know, restricting them from succeeding in dating. Um, they, I mean, they get very detailed about the facial structures and lower thirds and hunter eyes and things like that, which is interesting, but I think a little bit too rigid, but they're not wrong that these things affect how well they do and how many swipes and matches they'll get and, you know, how successful they will be as men really, because that is, I think that's a question that, um, is also one of these topics, as you mentioned, that that's kind of taboo these days to talk about values like that. It's sort of considered old fashioned and trad Another thing that's out of fashion is this concept of shaming anything, uh, especially anything sort of maybe feminist or, or progressive. Um, it, it's really, people won't talk about things like that because they consider them punching down or something, you know, a criticism of, of a disadvantaged group. And also it would suggest that, that there should be traditional gender roles, even if, we can have a conversation about it without making that claim. You know, we can have a conversation about hypergamy or about the effects on young people of being maybe promiscuous or just showy and and splashy and things online, because these things might have an effect on someone's self-esteem, whether it's positive feedback loop, like you describe or a negative one. And then you get understandably angry young men. They feel like that they're People that have no place in society, uh, no use in society, and they end up without purpose. And I mean, one of the political ramifications, I would consider myself just a moderate in general. It used to be a lot more progressive, and there are many ideas that I agree with um, that are progressive. But I've moved a lot further into the middle since this extreme polarization sort of began.
0: In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, when you have this this group that is considered privileged and demonized and couldn't possibly be suffering, um, and and you add race to that and implicitly class as well, then that can lead to people radicalizing. Some people think that that incels are, are radicals and extremists. I don't really agree with that. Some of them can be. But, you know, you also have people radicalizing into white supremacist groups and things like this. It's always magnified by another side vilifying it. So the more that happens, the more people will become more extreme in their thinking. And we, we certainly see that now.
2: Yeah, I, I think I think... Um... Also, the, this this narrative, this very binary narrative of like oppressor and oppressed, which is um, you know, it's 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 fairly ubiquitous on sections of the left, for example. Mm-hmm. This very very simplistic worldview of you know black and white oppressor oppressed. Mm-hmm. I think that that that's kind of animated. That's kind of coloured much of the coverage of well pr- almost all of the coverage of inceldom, but not just inceldom. I think that the entire stuff around the so called manosphere. Yes. So even going back to um so even going back to so let's say like neil Strice's book the you know pickup artist book the game, the game in 2005 yeah. i mean not going all the way back to 2005 but but pretty much you know every article i have ever read on pickup artists is on the one hand you know there's there's kind of legitimate kind of critiques of the of the cringe stuff like the and and also the, the, the predatory aspects of some of it and the cringe aspects of you know people going to bars in feather boas and top hats and
1: <laughs> yeah. negging
2: this this kind of manipulation of like negging
1: right and, and particularly like using yeah, negs I, I think it like an, an exploited sort of industry at one point the, yeah oh yeah for
2: sure like um, built on just many marketing
1: mm-hmm. like
2: savvy marketing to but but who but 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 what's rarely discussed though is in those kind of pieces is like who's it being marketed to so why is there Intel. this
1: um
2: yeah well yeah why but why is this there this kind of growing body of men who don't know how to navigate the the sexual marketplace if you like um who right. i mean there's on i remember that vh1 show years ago that the guy mystery did from the guy mystery from mm-hmm. the game like the kind of lead character that vh1 show the pickup artist and i remember he him saying to the contestants he's like uh uh, we're teaching you what your dads didn't teach you, or something.
1: Yes. Um,
2: what your fathers didn't teach you, and it's like, well, there, this industry industry grew up partly because there's this this, this kind of whole bunch of people who are, who feel completely you know discombobulated by by how to find a partner because those old norms have have, have evaporated, mm-hmm. and I think you know that you don't read any of that though in in any of the coverage of of that community, and you haven't read any of that, and it's exactly the same with with incels as well. It's Simply, there's this kind of um, sanctimonious kind of finger wagging, like, "Oh, look at you know, look at these naughty little men, and uh, yeah. look at these naughty men, bad men, and and whatnot." And there's not really in in and in contrast to the way we we so with say Islamist radicalization, there's a there's a there's you know you can condemn the terrorism, the the, the terroristic acts, and the you know the views about women. Uh, held by jihadists and whatever, yeah. but it, it's also worth worth understanding, and we, we recognise this. It's worth understanding how people get radicalised into yes, these movements the, the in the first place. The
1: grievances, right?
2: Yeah, and and, and like it doesn't mean you, you even have to agree with the, right. with the grievances. You can you can say you know I you know I, I would I will argue with some of the black pill beliefs, for example. Oh and say, yeah. I think that's wrong, and this is why. You know, yeah, um, but it, but it, but it's also worth understanding why people get drawn to those things in the first place, and what material processes in society, the changes in technology, what what are those things that are propelling more people to go down this path?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, there is no no willingness to look at the causes of the grievances, or that some of them, even though they may seem, you know, ridiculous, uh, they came from somewhere, and you know, when there is this kind of blanket. Uh, condemnation of a group, people start, I mean, if they are even interested in, in considering any of them, they just automatically dismiss all the grievances as illegitimate. And while some of them are, some of them are kind of legitimate, like some of the things that we're talking about. Um, I think that in addition to, uh, you know, technology and social media and how sort of distant we've become and kind of the the enemy that people live in now and the lack of like real connection and the abundance of online connection we're not having these conversations basically we're having lots of conversations and i think every day in the in the news especially in the progressive media which is mainstream media now in the united states and i think in, in the uk too uh maybe uh, i'm not quite sure um they There's a lot of talk about the conversations that we need to have now, you know, Mm -hmm. to have these hard conversations. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And yet uh, there there are no conversations about... Yeah.
2: They never... Those conversations... Yeah, there's lots of that. We need to have a conversation about... But then it's always about things that we talk about all the time anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's never never about the difficult subjects.
1: Yes, exactly. And I think there, there used to be that. And I'm not a traditionalist or, you know, anti-progressive, though I've been called that. I've also been called many other things since doing this. Um, but I think that when we had sort of different community structures that were, like you said, smaller networks and, you know, there were... Uh, there, there there was religion there was a church there was talk about values and character and, and i'm not like a values person who preaches about values and believes that that's uh the necessarily the right way for everyone to live but um the lack of you're it not
2: moral, you're not a moral relativist
1: either though no yes. no i'm not um and and i think the lack of any conversation about that because we feel it's unfashionable or it shames people or or whatever the case i think that's that's a net negative i think that you know there should be from from any angle it doesn't have to be um religious it doesn't have to be from a certain cultural lens necessarily but it is important to talk about character and depth and what makes a person feel filled in life that's not just a shallow surfacey consumption and
2: yeah no i think that's um I think the issue of like being non-judgmental is good in good in some ways, but it's also the problem is when it's so the the, the issue of I remember I grew up in the like yeah the nineties eighties and nineties, but I was a kid really a conscious you know kid in the uh, cognizant child in the nineties I guess, and there was it was very much about you know society in Britain anyway you know being much more tolerant of you know gay people for example and. Uh, there was a much more open kind of campaigns against, you know, racism and things like that. And it was also, you know, particularly in terms of sexuality, there was this, uh, you know, idea that it was important to be tolerant and non-judgmental if people wanted to do consenting things that were different from what you, what you wanted to do. And I think that's a, that's, you know, broadly a good thing, but I think it's when that non-judgmentalism is extended to like first principles as well, which is ludicrous, but it's, it's when it's it's applied across the board so for example last week in the uk there was the revelation that a uh, cabinet member of the, the government member of the government the health secretary was having an affair um mm. with someone and you know that's kind of tittle tattle for the tabloids and whatever and but you you had one of the you know you had a senior bishop or something in the church of england Saying that, you know, it's not his place to, something like it's not his place oh, to judge really? <laughs> if someone's having an affair. And it's just, wow. you know, we we I think we can all agree that, that lying is wrong. Yes. You know, that telling lies and just de- deception is wrong. And I think it's, it reaches an absurd point, this, this non-judgmentalism where, where we can't, we, we can't have first principles that say, no, it's, it's actually wrong to deceive someone and, and break your word. Um, you don't have to be religious to, to, or you don't know, have to be a pious churchgoer to believe that that just seems
1: absolutely society not. society breaks
2: down if you don't have those norms i think
1: yes absolutely i mean there are certain things that are wrong and that are you know destructive um damaging to people around you end up being hurtful uh, are maybe a little bit um indulgent and selfish like i would say having an affair probably is um i understand that there's probably certain circumstances that might drive a person to do so, et cetera, et cetera. But I think judgment of, of that, like you say, deception is, is, is okay. (laughs) Um, I think pretending that, uh, and coming from a Bishop, that's wild. It's just weird. Yeah. It's
2: just, just, what's the point anymore of, of, I mean, what's the point of, I mean, I'm not a religious believer, particularly, I mean, it's certainly not a member of the Church of England, but it's, it becomes, a, what's the point of the Church of England then, if, if that's the stance they take? What do they believe?
1: Right. and do they
2: believe lying is wrong?
1: <laughs> very basic thing. As you said, it really doesn't have to be a product of, of religion that people have conversations about that and say that it's wrong and admit that it's wrong. I don't know what will become of all of this. I know that a lot of incels have a very fatalistic idea that it will just progress that the lower tier men will have even less options and uh the, the bar for what is considered lower tier will be higher and women writ large will be polygynous with with multiple partners and that will be acceptable uh socially acceptable um i don't think that that's the case but i understand why they believe it because There is no, there are sort of no restrictions on what is considered sexually acceptable now. It's supposed to be that we certainly can't judge that even to the point of, as you said, having an affair and polyamory is sort of a very popular word that people are are throwing around. So yeah, it it seems to be continuing in that direction. When I interview my, my incels, I usually ask them at the end, do you have any ideas about where sort of insulin is going to go and where your own life trajectory will go? And can you think of any solutions? As someone who knows a lot about this subject, and you really do know your stuff, by the way, in your articles, uh, you had a piece about a friend of Elliot Rogers that I had never encountered, you know, him him giving him sort of advice. Uh mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, and I'm I'm curious where you found that because I did extensive research on Elliot
2: Roger. It was on the BBC. I'm pretty sure it was on the BBC. Oh really? I've got it saved saved somewhere in a in a file on Scrivener. So yeah, it, I'm pretty sure it was on the BBC somewhere, like uh, in one of their features on it. Or the, oh, it was, um, it was just a very short 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 thing. It was like, yeah, uh, but it was video. Yeah, it's like dating advice. No, it was just written written up in the uh, in the piece. Oh, okay. from this this friend or whatever who had spoken to the BBC. Yeah, the, that
1: that yeah. was extremely interesting.
2: Yeah, that 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 was really interesting. That resonated with me in some ways because what? So the comments that someone had given advice to Elliot Roger before he'd uh, gone on his killing spree, and it was it was to the gist of you know, he, so he was it, it was never going to work because the guy was you know had some kind of narcissistic personality disorder, I think, and.
1: He oh, was, absolutely. He,
2: he was beyond, yes. it's, 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 you know, it's beyond just subscribing to some dark incel. Yes. Release. This is something. Personality is a sort of level. I sort yeah. of pick
1: issue with the idea that it was the, the ideology that drove him to do this. because yeah, this is something much worse. Wa- yeah. Rather. Incel will continue after a short break from our sponsors. If you're enjoying this episode of Incel, please take a moment to subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review. This is one of the best ways to help spread the word so that others can discover it as well. Hello, world. I finally did it. I set up a Patreon. It's just my name, www.patreon.com slash and there, newly incentivized and free from the evil eye of leering detractors, I'll be releasing episodes early and ad-free, along with bi-weekly bonus episodes, weekly blog posts, articles, and polls so that I can hear from you. So if you support the show, please consider subscribing at any tier. Can't wait to develop some community outside of Twitter. Patreon.com slash N-A-A-M-A-K-A-T-E-S. Check it out. I've been teasing it for weeks. And now I can finally tell you about Emates, my new sponsor, and their newest creation. The company was founded by military veterans, motivated to create and ship custom companion robots to help serve the thousands of men and women who lost their spouses to war. As you all know, dear listeners, in 2021, people experience many barriers to physical intimacy, and that has consequences. Emate dolls are a potential solution that might be right for you. For now, Emates LLC's first companion, Sophia, is available and more will follow. These androids can tell stories, sing, give weather updates when asked, and engage in conversations with expression when talking, essentially learning their user until conversations and tendencies are adapted into better-flowing communication and engagement. Their skin is soft, lifelike, and durable, and can simulate human temperature at the click of a button. Most of all, the companions are safe. We'll be hearing from founding member Chris Urquinha on the pod in the very near future, and maybe from Sophia herself. For now, check out ematedolls.com, that's the letters E-M-A-T-E dolls.com to learn more.
2: So there was a friend who gave him some advice, you know, because meet women and it was um, to improve his social skills, basically. So each day to go and at something like, you know, set yourself a target to speak to like a few women each day and just start say hello and ask or ask the time or something or offer kind of a friendly greeting. And this resonated because this was some some advice I took on when I was so I was in college in 2005 and at the time I was like 22 and I had, I was, a, I had appalling social skills. Um, so we have like, in my family, there's like lots of, uh, Asperger's and autism. Um, oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And I have ADHD and I, f- I feel like I probably got like a splash of high functioning autism as mm-hmm. well. And it's like my social skills were appalling. It's like, it did, just didn't get social interactions when I was a uh, teenager or a kid, teenager, um, an early, you know, young guy. And it's like, it just didn't make sense to me how people used to interact and like flirt and joke around. It was like, I'd be yeah. very literal. And yeah, it's like, I'm sure some people will know what I'm talking about, but I had to oh, yeah. <laughs> learn how to become more sociable. So, um, I didn't really get into, you know, the pickup community, but I used to go out with friends and we, we'd like literally do cold approach on like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night in, in our city and just like, try and improve with the, with the aim of improving our social skills, just like go out and we have to like start like 10 conversations tonight. Mm. And it was just like three complete like nerds, like total nerds, (laughs) um, socially awkward, you know, uh, people would think, you know, these, these guys are weird, but we did that for like a matter of a a period, a long period of time. and And it, it did actually work. Like we did actually become more gregarious, more extroverted. And it was like, the real side of our personality we could actually bring out because we became used like desensitized in a way to uh-huh.
1: um, like exposure as we everything. got better. So
2: yeah, it was weird. It was like and you kind of personally like I learned the mechanisms of being normal. It, like I learned the mechanisms of, of you know, the having normal conversations and stuff without coming across as like too weird or awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, like mimicking almost in some way. Yes. And yeah, but but it's like so so that that but the, the mainstream has no advice like that to, the only place that advice was coming from at the time was like the pick up artists in variations of it there was lots of like e- egregious stuff of, like me and the, the my friends we never like used the lines and things like that but we just adopted the principle of you can improve your social skills if you just approach people and start conversations but there's nothing even suggesting that in the mainstream yeah. so i think that feeds ra- radicalization, radicalization because it's there's that there, people are fed this kind of uh, very fatalistic kind of. On the one hand, you know it's like there's this romantic notion that fate will take care of it, so like don't worry, mm-hmm. um, and which is obviously not true. Blue
1: pill, and
2: yeah, that like blue pill idealism, <laughs> and then on the other hand, there's like there's there's like no resources for like what do you what do you actually do if you suck socially and you're like say you're not physically attractive or you suck socially, like what do you actually do and it's just like the, there's nothing there's no resources that's why one reason I think people gravitate towards more extreme communities because there's literally there's a void and they're filling the void
1: yeah you know and, and the, the resources that exist now um, there are some even sort of the administrators of the, the incel forum have like a looks max site where they kind of give advice like that it is interesting because um the sort of incel community really came as a result of you know the first Incel site, not the first, but among the first, was called PUA hate, pickup artist hate. Yes, that's right. Because they had supposedly tried PUA and felt that they'd been taught by the best. Still it right. still didn't work, yeah. so they were incels and and they had no hope. So they dismissed the entire concept. I think that there are, like you said, some problematic elements of mm. uh, some of what came out of that. For sure, yeah. I do think that the, the general idea is is accurate, you know, gamifying the system and playing on what flirtation is, a certain amount of mystique and withdrawing.
2: Yeah, like the, the counterintuitive nature of flirting, flirting and dating is that like the mainstream doesn't teach that. It's, it's all straightforward. You know, I'll just be nice, respectful, chivalrous, whereas in reality, it's quite counterintuitive. So, you know, you see this in meme culture. So meme culture will joke about, you know, the, the woman going after the guy who leaves her on red, Um, rather than the guy in the comments, you know, posting the love heart emojis. Um, And, yeah, the the humorous culture, humorous, you know, blue-collar working-class culture, even. Like, my my working-class friends understand this and joke about this stuff, but, like, the politically correct mainstream,
0: we have... Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly!
2: Have to pretend that it, it just works by being nice and altruistic and chivalrous and whatnot.
1: Yes, um, yeah. yeah especially fun. since you know some of the movements like Me Too and things like that, and and all this talk about uh, you know in universities they talk about uh, I think enthusiastic consent and and there are all these rules to to dating. You know, it's very sort of um, structured now and that's not how it works, you know? <laughs> um, exactly. It's not how it
2: goes down in practice. No,
1: it? it's not, you know, th- there has to be some element of, of risk and, and of danger and of, of play and, Spontaneity. Ways, you know, excitation, excitation, um, mimics sort of even like fighting, you know, like the adrenaline goes up and things like that. And that's just natural. That That's how we're evolved. Um, and, Pretending it's not, I, I don't think it's healthy. Um, so yeah, in, in the sort of incel communities, you have an utter rejection of this because, um, it didn't work for some people. So they believe that it's only kind of immutable traits while there, there's an element of that as we've acknowledged, that's true. Um, I think it's also that, you know, there were, like I mentioned earlier, uh, gurus and marketing and people just kind of exploiting uh, these yeah. men. Oh, yeah.
2: Very, very exploitive and there was a whole level to it which was just pure marketing. Um, pure marketing and getting guys to pay like vast sums of money. Yeah. So, uh, just to be pointed at someone and told to approach them.
1: Right. So, so they weren't actually getting the honest, the advice no. and, and practice that, you know, as you said, kind of worked for you. Uh, and then... In the mainstream, that's considered uh, misogynistic to do.
2: Yeah, and I think there's, I think there's also a, it, it's strange, really. That I think there's a almost universal um, hostility to people moving from a, like one status category, let's say, to another. So self improvement is looked at suspiciously by many people on the, in the progressive space, anyway. So, for example, some if we if we talk about like an incel or something Um, and the fact that on the one hand you you might have looks maxes or self improvers who are encouraging them to do these things or pickup artists encouraging them to do these things to improve their situation so go to the gym you know um, get some new clothes you know approach people to improve with the aim of improving your social skills I think most people just find that profoundly weird because Mm -hmm. it's like they have this picture of this person and they, they've put this person in this box as like a low status male or whatever. Yes. And they find it disconcerting to think that they could like ascend, that they yeah. could somehow, um, you know, they could somehow go through this process and transform themselves, which, you know, that does happen. People do. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it does happen. Like I've, I've seen that happen to people and it's, it, it definitely does happen, but there's, it makes people profoundly uncomfortable. I think. Because you see that on a, we see that I think on a personal level among friends when if one person starts to, their life situation dramatically improves, you mm-hmm. sometimes see hostility from the friends because who fear being left behind or it, it shakes their reality up and it, yeah. it, it doesn't feel, it, it, it makes them question their sense of reality. And I think with the whole idea of, of um, ascending in the, from the incel community or self improvement generally among low status men, there's this kind of middle class contempt to it towards it, um, huh. yeah, and you see that with self improvement generally towards yeah. from anyone from Jordan Peterson to just
1: uh, I was just him, uh, yeah,
2: self help. Yeah, it, it's seen as kind of pathetic because it's like you're a loser. You should you should stay a loser, you know. And and like they prefer people on their way down than on their way up.
1: Yes, and I think or sometimes it's seen as. As insensitive, almost as sh- as shaming. On the left, they'll talk about the bootstraps mentality, as if that's insensitive to people that do have this structural inequalities and, and disadvantages. Yeah, and
2: yeah, and uh, just just to, just to quickly add, uh, very briefly, is it, I think it's also because if you admit that, if you if you get rid of the relativism and admit that it's better to be a six foot Chad than it is to be you know a five foot five uh
1: indian janitor as Mm -hmm. they say
2: (laughs) yeah yeah like you you you, you're forced to acknowledge that it's inegalitarian that Mm -hmm. it's not fair, right and that one thing is objectively better than the other in terms of the life you'll lead the the happiness of your life the satisfaction you'll have um and that disconcerts people yes egalitarians especially who who you know the the ideology is built around the idea that um not just that everyone's equal yes. on a fundamental level, but everyone's equal in terms of abilities, talents, good fortune, right. etc., which is just not true. Not
1: true, <laughs> no. Um, I mean,
2: and- unfortunately in some ways, but it's just it's like it's yeah, not
1: true. exactly. I mean, and they're ready to admit sometimes inequality because of structural issues and economic inequality. And there are haves and have-nots in, in anything in life. And it looks... Uh, for instance it's looks funny status, but of course it's also, uh, intelligence and social support, sort of innate resiliency, certain personality traits. Yeah, that, that exists. There's no way around it. You know, denying that, um, makes the problem worse because it doesn't allow for the improvements, the advice, what you can do if you are, uh, someone that is sexually low status, um, that can make your, your life better, whether it leads to more sexual success, like becoming more socially adept or improving your, your looks and things, or just, you know, other things in life to give you meaning and fulfillment. Um, and sometimes that, that advice is given very sort of rudely and callously to incels, like get a hobby or something, or, you know, yeah, don't just focus no much- Yeah. Um, and, and don't focus so much about sex as if, as if for a young man, it's it's unnatural to, you know, fixate on that. Yeah, of course. But it, it could be given with, with honesty, with the acknowledgement that, yes, that just sucks. <laughs> and um, you have the option to try at least to find things in your life that uh, give you meaning that may or may not improve your, your status that way. But why not?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think... So some, some of the advice I think is, um, so, so for example, if, if I think someone can, I think someone, if someone can, they should look max you know, I think someone should, mm-hmm. um, you know, so yeah, I, when I was at like 24, I started going to the gym and, um, I felt better. I, I enjoyed it. You know, I, I still go and I, it's, it's become a hobby that I just enjoy yeah. for its own, for its own sake, you know, regardless of, of the outcome. It just, it's just something I really enjoy but it's it, it it gives you can give you like self more self confidence mm-hmm, that you, know, you can
1: achieve progression and achievement yeah um, just the way we move and, it, and carry ourselves and everything
2: yeah and, and that that definitely will you know for some improve their results with on the dating market um but i think it's it's it, people are too blasé when they sometimes say uh you know i'll just just lift bro or I'll just do these things because mm-hmm. they're not empathizing with the, the plight of some people who for whom it's you know, just li- lifting weights is not going to solve their problems, or uh, getting a new haircut, or getting a new set of clothes, or or even just becoming a social butterfly is not going to solve their problems. Yep. There is, for me, it's a small it's, it's a small percentage of people. I think but, so. Yeah, you know, that adds up to still quite, can be still quite a large number of people. Yes. And for those people, for those individuals, it's no less painful for them. The fact that it's not many of them. You know, right? It's, it's, exactly. It's, what we're bombarded with this narrative in this romantic narrative in society of, you know, that you turn on the radio and there's songs blasting about how, like, about how love is such an important oh, yeah. aspect of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we're all looking for, we're all supposedly. Yeah. And, and, and we're all, you know, it's a huge part of life and there's this experience. You need to have it. And if you don't, you're uh, what's wrong with you, etc. etc. And, that's, you know, if, if you fall outside of that normative framework, then it's, it's, it's brutal. It's, 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 you're, you feel like you have FOMO mm-hmm. through the roof. It's like you're, you feel like you're missing like half of what life's about, you know, achievement and then a, a meaningful relationship. So it's, I think it's, it's crazy in some ways that people do dismiss the plight of incels because on the one hand, we're saturated with this culture of the obsess- that treats romance and love as like a pseudo-religion. On the other hand, we, we talk as if those people who fall outside of that framework, we like, you yeah, oh, know, what, what's their problem? What are, they, what are they so upset about? It should be obvious what they're upset about.
1: Yeah, it's also biological. It's evolutionary. Any organism has a, an objective, if you go back very primitively to the most simple ones, of procreating. So to deny that that impulse is there and very strong, even if it doesn't mean actually procreating... But just mating, you know, the act that leads to it, it is a huge part of life for um, a lot of women. I would say for for a long time, up until fairly recently, it was everything. Before women were encouraged to work and study and everything else.
2: Well, I mean, there are so so you know, I, I personally, you know, there's a lot of reading, say, an in cell forum. I'll find a lot of the black pill views, you know, quite abhorrent and. Uh, mm-hmm. um, misogynistic and and whatnot and but at the same time it's like i'm interested in, in how people get to that darkness no. that like how people get on that conveyor belt and go in that
1: direction the way that they get there in my opinion is that their experience is completely denied everywhere else and so they come to a place, a community, where yeah, some right of it reinforced. is validated. Yes, exactly. And so some of it is validated and now there's a you know justification and they often sort of refer to to studies, you know, peer reviewed studies and stuff from Evo Psych or, or whatever, um, that give explanations for these things and they say, Oh, well, here the truth is. And once they accept that, you know, it feels good and it's easy to accept the more extreme.
2: Yeah. And, and you see like normies and stuff um, attacking incels and propping the, their own ego up on their, you know, the fact that they're more sexually successful than incels. And it's it's based on the fact that, you know, decades ago, the first woman they asked out s- said yes, and then they got married as if they're kind of the right Bowes area of their day. And it's just, they prop themselves, they prop their own egos up on the fact that someone is more, yeah. You know, oh, look at these. You know, losers. It's like it's like it's like you see the same phenomenon in. It's like petty furors in economic situations where mm-hmm. you see. When I was working at Amazon, you had the, the worst people, the very worst people, were the lowest tier managers who had just a tiny bit of status over you. Yes, as like on the shop floor, it wasn't the main. It wasn't the ma- the, the big managers. Yeah. It's the it's the ones who have a tiny bit more status than you who are right. terrified of sinking into your social class. Yeah. So they heap heap this contempt upon you. Exactly. Um, to try and create this gap between themselves and the shop floor. And with the incels I think you have something similar where you have this this big layer of, of men who themselves are not particularly successful in the dating yeah. market, but they're not they're not incels and they grew up in a time where monogamy was more of the norm and it was mating, you know, dating took place locally and courtship and whatever and they prop themselves up on the plight of people who are doing even worse than them uh, just below them. Yes. And it's a lot of people
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's kind of, you know, what, what I was saying with the sort of the visceral reaction, the real aversion, and that I think it came from sort of a fear of like being guilt by association. Like if I touch this, if I'm sympathetic to it, if I read about it, I might be it, you know, um, because the, strongest negative reactions that I got initially were from men uh not incels but but men rather than that's women. interesting yeah even yeah. I had women listeners that told me that I love the show and I told my boyfriend about it and he was just like no he didn't want anything to do with it and my best friend who's a you know a hairdresser one of her clients reacted like that and and a friend of mine did and it was it was very interesting
2: yeah yeah that is yeah know I I've kind of noticed um writing about so so i've written some articles about the intel phenomenon mm-hmm. and dating apps and the, the articles i've written have been quite moderate in many ways but all i've really said is you know i've I've talked about you know the radic- process of radicalization and how we should look at wider societal phenomena that are contributing to it so dating app the rise of dating apps um in particular, that's that's something I'm very interested in because I yeah. think they've had a huge effect. To huge me, impact. that
1: was the game changer too. There are all sorts of other factors that incels talk about, especially that, that mm-hmm. I agree with to an extent. But I think that's the big one. Yeah.
2: Even just talking a little bit about that, I, I have had quite a lot of hostility. Hmm. And again, often from men because mm-hmm. women's experience on dating apps isn't necessarily positive either. So you have, yeah. um, you so know, I, I've heard, heard lots of negative stories, both from female friends, from on the one hand being catfished or just um, being used mm-hmm. or exactly just like the, the kind of superficiality of it. And the sense that, you know, people who've met, met someone they actually like, and then they feel like the grass is greener and then they just blow it with that person. And then we come mm-hmm. to regret it because they, they, you know, it's, it's like a shop window and eyes bigger than the stomach syndrome.
1: And you can do it now. Because people aren't connected to each other. There's no community where if you do something like that, people will say, oh, that guy is, he's a cad. He's a user. He's a a womanizer, for instance. Or that woman is, you know, whatever she is. Bad news. Exactly. Stalker.
2: Potential Um, stalker.
1: Yes, exactly. When it was geographically based network community, that would happen. If someone really behaved badly, people would know about it. Uh, With this, dating apps and the internet, no, it's close to anonymity
2: yeah yeah definitely i think also i think things like pornography as an example but i think also for men it, men and women and for different reasons have an unrealistic expectations of what they'll find in the dating market in some way so i think uh, women there's there's this idea
1: that because like the intimate they may have, wipes it could always be the better next better thing
2: yeah and because you know occasionally some like top tier chad guy might Pay them a bit, some attention on, or sleep with them. They should hold out for that guy for like marriage or whatever, and then you know, it's a bit of a pipe dream because the, those guys aren't going to settle down. No, um, they're looking upwards as well um, in terms
1: of who. Yes, they, exactly. They want
2: to find those a partner, and I think that leads to like a lot of disillusionment. And then I think also men have these, you know, men watching a lot of pornography. They have maybe unrealistic expectations of what makes a good partner. So, Mm -hmm. so, I mean, there's, there's, I actually heard recently some dating coach, I can't remember who it was, said something which I thought was quite good, which was that the people, the person you've settled down with as a guy, isn't always the necessarily the most uh, superficially attractive person you've been with because there are all these other considerations that come into play um, in terms of picking a partner. So chemistry is a big one. Compatibility, personality, is is you know a huge, huge part of that? Huge, But I th- but I think social media pornography conditions men to objectify women much more. So a value is almost grab you know value orbits around looks. So looks are yeah. everything. Looks are a state a much more of a status symbol. In themselves, nowadays, both for men and women.
1: Yes, and and women too, to a degree, objectify themselves. I would say too.
2: I guess because it's rewarded in some ways. Yeah, social Yeah, exactly. So it's, in, it's, in a very, uh, as you said, yeah.
1: ephemeral and meaningless way. And I liked in your your article too that you know you wrote that technology. What was it? It was about uh, the way that it's not just that we're informing uh, social media and this technology in a way that reflects our behavior, yeah. but that it actually changes our behavior in significant ways. I think a lot of people yeah. don't believe that that's the case. Cause you know, I, I make that claim a lot or yeah. that I believe that. And they're like, no, that's crazy. You know, to say that it, human nature is never going to change. Uh, this technology doesn't influence it. People thought the same thing about the TV and the novel. And I just don't think that's true. I think there's a difference between the way we sort of interact with this and sort of the, the totality of, of that screen. And I do think it, also, it has, you know, effects on the brain. To understate its effect is just, I don't know, kind of wishful thinking.
2: Yeah, and I think with, with politics, we do recognize now that technology has changed politics and fed polarization. Yes, more. yes, yes. yes, yes. Um, so the, vo- the voice is amplified on, like, I, I really, ha- I wrote an article recently about how I hate Twitter because that you know, I have to use it for work to promote mm-hmm. self, self-promotion, basically, mm-hmm. and to, to get articles out there because articles, you know, mostly are online nowadays. Yep. But it, it, it amplifies just the most polarizing voices, the worst yep. voices, which then feeds into the mainstream, you know, political discourse and and amplifies the extremes. Yep. So it's like, we, we rec- and we recognize that now. We recognize that social media has fed into this polarization. And with dating apps, I mean, dating apps I think are having similarly dramatic effects in yep. terms of another big aspect of our lives, which is, how we choose a partner
1: yeah and arguably much of your aspect
2: <laughs> yeah much more foundational in yeah. Days, yeah and it, and it because as one example what dating apps do is they narrow a person's choice potential let's say mm-hmm. so so let's say uh let's say someone sets up a dating app and they have these like vague preferences right, right that's what i'm saying so, like height <laughs> or something
1: Put a height, you know, minimum where they're not even showing people that are below that height.
2: <laughs> yeah, and so a, f- a female friend of mine uh, recently, uh, she was like, "I don't uh, date people under six foot," and yep. uh, it's like, I know she's for a fact that she's uh, dating people who are below six foot in real life. Yeah, she's like got this thing on the app to filter them out. So yeah, it's like, uh, that's just, one of the big okay. ones
1: for that height. Uh, height restrictions because i think often people don't even have a realistic idea of what six foot is no. you know no, I, like I don't. people don't care that
2: much in real life if you're if you're cool it's yeah like beyond the, like extremes granted there are extremes but within a certain range it doesn't make that much difference yeah
1: exactly um you know that's another thing too i think that uh i understand what until say when they say that personality doesn't matter and all that because looks are like a the first impression and there can be sort of a, a minimum for some people like uh, a height or an appearance, but like level below which they don't even get the chance. But beyond that, which is usually pretty reasonable for most people in real life and, you know, in real life, it doesn't, I don't think women are even attracted to the Chad or the male model. I'm certainly not. Um,
2: (laughs) This, this, this whole thing about, sorry, just interrupt very quickly. This whole thing about six foot, I, I barely even heard of it till dating apps. I mean, it was obviously taught. It was better to be generally considered better to be taller. Yeah. But at the same time, I have lots of friends who are 5'7", five, 5'8". Five,
1: yeah. Um, who've
2: were very who done very well with the opposite
1: Absolutely, yeah. It was yeah. never
2: it, really it, an issue.
1: No. Like growing up in high school and when things like that would seem to matter the most, I don't remember anybody ever even talking no. about it. The taller guys did not necessarily do better at all. No, And now incels believe that it is one of the most sort of important qualities. I have so many that I talk to that say that height is their issue and they'll send me photos of themselves and they're, they're good looking young guys. Some of them have like great jobs and things like that. And it's like, you know, they believe that they need to get surgery to extend their legs or something. It's wild.
2: Yeah. But this is, this is why I think it's, um, the technology is driving a lot of this because mm-hmm. you also hear women saying this stuff. So Hell yeah, the guy must, must, must be six foot. And they put this into the apps.
1: Don't, don't bother if you're below six foot in the, and they put it in the apps and they put it on, on Instagram and Twitter. Like they'll, they'll mm-hmm. say these things and it's considered cute and funny and you know, yeah, it's not.
2: <laughs> no. And, and the apps are kind of, the apps are, Category uh, f- uh, formalizing what what status what classes like high status. So because you know looking good is obviously the, you're being photogenic is the first one. You need to be photogenic in this world to be high status. Right. It's not even looking status good. Status. It's
1: being photogenic specifically.
2: Yeah, presentation. Yes. And because online there's this filter around say six foot or around certain ethnicities. So you know Asian men tend to do poorly. Black women tend to do mm-hmm. do, do less less good as well on dating apps you've you've got the um you're formalizing these kind of preferences which are often arbitrary and mm-hmm. you're you're making them kind of these these cast iron rules where you literally don't see people of those things and that just cements it even more it becomes yes. this like feedback loop of yes where you where you're just not into those people and you never see them right and so it's like an apartheid almost yeah apartheid. it is
1: <laughs> what a nightmare <laughs> Um, okay, so I think we should probably wrap up because I think yes. we're at a little bit over an nice. hour. Um, yeah. And yes. in I mean, this is really great conversation and I don't know why it took us so long, but uh, either way.
2: Um, yeah, no worries. Both, both busy and stuff. Yeah, no, it has been really good. And, yes. Um,
1: yeah. I know my listeners will, will love it. And um, I, I will ask you the sort of final thoughts question about... Whether you have any, and if you have any prognostications about what might become of this, or if you see things trending toward changing, you know, or or solutions, if yeah, you have any thoughts, there was a the future.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's two, there's two kind of directions I can see it going in some ways. So, on the one hand, so apart of me, the pessimistic side of me in some ways. Sees it getting worse because I think that there'll be a greater push to uh, basically pacify uh, m- like sexually invisible men using technology. So um, AI sex robots would be an example. Mm-hmm. So mass mass market AI sex, you know, feeding, feeding, feeding like further atom, atomization. So more pornography addicted men, more men with their personal sex robots and uh s- spending lots of money on only fans quote unquote girlfriends um, um and this kind of this version of intimacy where yeah the, the sexually visible are pacified and palliated with with technology their, their urges are kind of um uh, they're, they're given technology to satisfy those urges which is is kind of dystopian in some ways and and Yes, quite. (laughs) It doesn't. Yeah, it's quite disturbing, and it doesn't replace genuine intimacy. However, whatever kind of techno utopian veneer is put is put on that. But but the other side of me, I mean, I think I feel like the pendulum will swing back a bit away from where we're at now. The kind of free for all in some ways. Again, and I Mm. don't know if that's necessarily good or bad because there can be negative consequences to that as well. So it can become very. Trad or re- reactionary, and, and then you again yeah. you see persecution of quote unquote deviant sexuality.
1: Right. Oh whatever. gosh! So no. I,
2: I absolutely do not want to return to that kind of thing. No, but, but I think the, the 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 way in which idealism, so the way in which romantic idealism, prevents people, yeah, you know, makes people very reluctant to talk about sexual competition and incels and the the battle of the sexes in terms of mating strategies etc. that this is like romantic idealism which is everywhere in society which makes people very reluctant to talk about that. Yeah. I think that that kind of pervasive idealism I think that will also as the some of the blinkers are removed as some of the blinkers slip away from kind of the blue pill majority I think you will see them kind of there will be a bit of a backlash as people really cling on to that romantic idealism that you know we can't live in a world where everything is just like meaningless hookups for like a small percentage of people. And there's this like massive people who are just uh, locked out of it. I think it, it goes against that, that romantic idealism which a lot of people will cling on to. I mean, as religion is declining, we see more people getting into uh, these kind of political ideologies oh, yeah. of left and right. And I think you'll also say romantic idealism will be one of the things that will, people will cling on to in this kind of, to give meaning to this world where, it feels often
1: as if there is no meaning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a, that's a big problem now and people are always searching for meaning and purpose. And I think that's also another thing that all of this is about, you know, when people kind of uh, are drawn to any ideology, they are looking for meaning and purpose. Uh, you know, I guess I would hope, I mean, I think, I think you're right about the pendulum swing and, I like to think that if there is sort of a reactionary backlash, which we're already seeing a little bit of, it will be temporary and eventually we'll find somewhere in the middle. I, I also think that one of the big problems, why we're having these big problems with technology is that it's sort of evolved faster than we have um, Yeah. <laughs> yes. as human beings, you know, all these things were really unforeseen how much they would change the world hopefully the people that are the uh, architects of all of this will find some ethics and and some ways to i don't know make them a little bit less less of what they are now maybe some of the negative effects of that can be lessened a little bit yeah definitely
2: anyway good to speak to you Me
1: too that's all the news that's fit for pod today please keep me in my mess in your prayers this week dear listeners and i'll do the same for you that would help thank you. Okay, over and out. If you or someone you know is struggling with feelings of hopelessness, please reach out to one of the links provided in the show description.